Witty, thought-provoking, and uplifting, Southern Soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences. Tune in each Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic hosts who are as charming as they are talented. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's our host, Calvin. Here at Southern Soul, we like to kind of begin to create what we call this community journalism to where we like, you know what? We want to get the answers, not just for ourselves, but for others. So, Miss Inger Shea Kovji, I'm going to get it right tonight. Thank you for being here with us tonight. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Uh, so, first, a couple of things. You could just call me Shea. I think it might be easier. <laughs> And um, Shay is my name. That's easy. And I need to correct the record. I'm not a psychiatrist. I am a psychotherapist, which is two different things. Um, People who are psychiatrists, they'd be very upset because they went to a lot more school than I did. (laughs) So I I don't definitely don't want them uh, coming after me. No one will come for me. So I don't know. Do you want me to tell me a little, tell you all a little bit about myself? Yeah, please, please do. Um, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your origin story, how you got started. Tell us about who you are. So uh, my origin story. I don't know if we have that kind of time, so I'll try to keep it brief so that we can really talk about ADHD. It's funny because when I was young, we moved. I live right outside of Philadelphia now, but we lived in Philadelphia when, um, you know, before school. And when we moved into the suburbs, they wanted me to uh, stay in a lower grade. Like they didn't want me to proceed. And my mother said, oh, no, she's really smart. And so I had to take a test in order to be able to do that. My mom fought for that. And I not only did I pass the test, I was the only kid that ever passed the test in 40 years. So I started school early. And. I remembered all the questions because I came right home and I told everybody all of the questions that my parents were like, oh, so it started out like, wow, she's really smart. And that was great, but that was also like a lot of burden for a kid. And once we went from learning to read to reading to learn, it just got harder, right? And ADHD started to kick in and it just really like during school, I mean, I do well, I wouldn't do well. I was always late. Um, they make, but I'm, I'm old enough so that they need to stay after school and then write, um, I write, I, I, I must, must, must not, not, not be, be late, 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 like a thousand times. So I did that every year, I think all the years of school. <laughs> so I did eventually graduate and then I went to an HBCU. So shout out to Virginia State because, you know, we do take care of our own. And when I went to Virginia State, it was like, this was amazing. Because then I was around all Black people. I think I didn't mention that the school that I went to earlier. Oh, VSU in a house. I, I can't help. I see this in the chat. Yes, VSU in a house. Um, so uh, I went there. It was, you know, all Black people. Because when I went to the school I went to in the suburbs of Philly was all uh, white people. So, you know, that's isolating enough. But when you come in, you're around your own people. You know, it feels good and it feels welcoming. 
So I still, you know, I didn't know I had ADHD. Like I'm old enough that that was never even a thought. Like I don't even think they talked about it at all. Um, so I still couldn't, you know, get to class on time. Y'all from ADHD, you know, I like, you know, having to go over, over the road to go over to where the science buildings were, like never happened. Foster Hall was my jam, right? <laughs> so, you know, not doing what I needed to do, but not knowing why I wouldn't do it. And being very confused because some things were really easy and some things were really hard. And it wasn't until one of my teachers, um, really, she looked at me and she brought me to her office because I would come late. I didn't care. We used to have to wear a certain uniform to that class. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, why don't we do that? Like, that's stupid. So the third time I took that class, um, <laughs> she brought me into her office and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? She was like, you're really smart and we need people out like you out here. But what we cannot do is not do these things the way they need to be done. And uh, I got mine. She's like, and until you do what you need to do, you're not going to be able to get yours. And let's be clear. This woman did not like me because I was coming with that. Like, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do attitude. But what she saw something in me. And I appreciated that where it's like, you you know, I began to start to figure out some things I needed to do instead of just hanging out behind Salsa Hall right? and figuring out like how to be able to get it together to graduate. It wasn't, I mean, it took me eight years to get out of uh, Virginia State. So I don't know how I stayed in for eight years without getting kicked out. Like to me, that's always a feat within itself. Um you know, I figured out some things to do too, because at some point my parents wanted me to come home and I was like, no, I started to have my girlfriend. I'm old enough where they were typewriters. Um, so she would type my papers because they weren't, you know, grading me on the, my typing. They were grading me on the work. I would set up study groups where we didn't call them study groups back then. I would just find the smartest person. And then I would, you know, say, hey, what are you doing about studying? And get a bunch of people together. Um, I would make sure that, you know, I then found people that would get me to class on time because they'd come and get me and be like, yo, let's go. I didn't realize that part of the reason I didn't go to class is not even because I was distracted. It's because I have no idea what time it is at any time. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm texting Cal, like, yo, what time am I supposed to be here tonight? Because it's really difficult for me to measure time. And I didn't know because I didn't know about ADHD. So fast forward to many, many jobs. Uh, so many people have that ADHD story, many different things that would go right and then, you know, not go right. And I was just always really confused about why sometimes things were great and easy and why sometimes things were so difficult or just didn't work the way that I thought it would work. It wasn't until, um, you know, I was going to go to law school at some point. <laughs> And because I, you know, went from place to place, job to job, and I didn't end up going to law school, uh, I ended up going and working in a salon because I was like, I'm going to have to pay for school. My parents had paid for eight years. And let's be clear, it's a long time ago. It was not $60,000 a pop. <laughs> so I since I was going to have to pay for it, I was going to have to have a flexible job. But once I started working in a salon, I loved it, right? I didn't know. It gave me a chance to move around do some stuff with my hands, talk to a lot of people, you know, have it where 
people were coming into me. I didn't have to force like conversations. And it was amazing and great. And it was the first time I felt like, oh, is this somewhere that I could be? And it was like, this is great. But everybody would say like, why are you work there? Like, you're so smart. And I was like, so the people that are here with me too aren't smart. That's not true, right? It's just, they were in their zone of genius and I was in my just zone of genius there. But at some point I decided I wanted to do something different. And since I talked to people all day and we kind of solve all of their problems, uh, I decided to go back to school to be a psychotherapist. So imagine what I had to do, what kind of essay I had to write and, you know, getting in to make sure I got the interview because the only way they're going to take me and having all these disparate, different jobs and all these different things that happen and bringing them together to say all of these different things that might seem like they're not connected, connect. And that connection is how I got to be where I am. That's what, how they took me in. They said it was the best essay they had ever uh, seen at that point in time, which was like, wow. Uh, <laughs> because that was not, you know, clearly my experience. So when I got into school, graduate school, lo and behold, I got pregnant, <laughs> I, which they said wasn't going to happen. And I was old. I was in my late 30s. So, you know, I was excited. But interestingly enough, grad school with another job. <laughs> Got right through, no problem, had a baby, missed one day of school because they told me you could only miss two. And they said, you had a baby last week. Are you here? I said, you said I could miss two. They were like, yeah, we really would have let you miss another one. But sometimes with ADHD, it's like what you hear is like what you, you know, sometimes we don't want to do what they say, but sometimes it's like you're going to do exactly what you've been told. It's just so, that's how it is for me, at least. Sometimes things are one way always seems two sides of the coin and then sometimes it's like the total different way and it's like two totally different school experiences and but when i started to do psychotherapy i loved it um i was good at it and it wasn't until my kid got diagnosed with adhd when they came to me and they give you these writing scales to fill out and as i fill them out i'm like that's me that's me Ooh, that's me so even though I was a psychotherapist, they didn't talk about ADHD, not much. I think maybe we got a paragraph. It was all about kids, whatever it was, and I was not going to treat children. And so when I checked them off, it's like, oh, it's me. And I often think, what do they think? Did they think that it just ends at some point when people have it? Like, Because that's not true. Um, many women don't get diagnosed until their kids get diagnosed. because people miss it for women you know especially it's not what you would think it's not like little white boys falling over chairs which is what most uh doctors think at least especially back then and now it's like no women are usually uh what they call inattentive there's different parts of adhd i should um explain that so there's inattentive which means somebody's like more daydreamy um maybe like losing things, sometimes just kind of like awkward. Then some, And then there's also what you would think of as hyperactive, what you maybe would think of ADHD, doing things impulsively, kind of moving around. And then there's combined, where you have a little bit of each. Most women are diagnosed as inattentive. I was diagnosed as inattentive, but I, I know that I am, I got to be combined because the thing about ADHD 
the H part, the hyper part, it's not outward. For women especially, it turns inward. So that chattiness in that inside of your head, some of that anxiety, some of that might maybe shaking under the table. The fact that I'm carrying a fidget right now to be able to sit here and talk with everybody because we've been sitting here for like an hour and not moving around like I was not going to be able to make it. That internal hyperness is a hyper part of ADHD. And that's another reason why it's missed because people can't see it. It's generally invisible. So it wasn't, it, I didn't get diagnosed. So I was in my 50s because of that. And when I got diagnosed, my whole life flashed in front of me because all the things that were confusing began to make sense. It was like, oh, oh, it wasn't until somebody gave you like an ultimatum that you decided to finish college. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, things like that. It all just came very clear. And I still didn't do a lot about it because I was taking care of my son. Uh, I live in the neighborhood that I grew up in and, you know, it is also very white centric and dealing with a black boy with ADHD is a whole nother, this is more in a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I'd come back on and talk about being a parent of a child with ADHD, but taking care of him meant that I was not, didn't go to take care of myself. I didn't go to, to take care of myself and get a proper diagnosis until I started to lose my words. And what I mean by that is I would have a thought of a word, but it wouldn't come out of my mouth. And I'm a psychotherapist and I was like, holy, what am I going to do? Do I have early onset Alzheimer's? But what I come to find out was that your hormones as a woman can affect your ADHD. There is some research actually now coming out that it can affect men with ADHD, their hormones too. Um, I'm not as well-versed on that, but with women, it really affects your ADHD. So when you, I think back about the times when, like, right before my period, like a screaming banshee sometimes, or not even knowing what was going on, uh, why things just really were out of whack then. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't know. Nobody knew, you know, they just tell women like, oh, that's just how you are. You have ADHD. It's like, oh, this is why I felt so out of whack. Like I could not park before my period. My depth perception would go. It's like the oddest of things. And it, it made me feel crazy. I was like, why can't I park this car? And I looked at it, I was like, oh my goodness. It came once a month and that was the time. And that was part of my ADHD. Because that spatial relationship part is also a part of your brain. Because ADHD is a brain-based condition, right? It's it's a part of your brain where you're not getting like all the chemicals that you need, uh, some dopamine. I mean, there's some brain science that I don't want to bore everybody with, but just know that it's a brain-based condition and that's why these things happen and that's why it's all connected. That's why when the hormones started changing, I couldn't remember my words. Well, not remember them. I knew what they were. They just would not come out. It was the oddest of things. So I got a proper diagnosis and I decided to get medication not everybody has to like I also want to say that people think that they're just going to shove pills down your throat that is not true it's a decision you get to make but just for me I was like I'm gonna I need to be able to manage this <laughs> or I don't know what's going to happen in my own household um and then after that that's when I just ran into ADHD coaching I just happened to 
be in a place where they were going to have the International ADHD Conference. They do have a big conference about it every year. It was in Philadelphia. I had never heard of it before. Somebody needed a model in coaching. I volunteered because I heard, oh, free coaching. <laughs> I'm for it. And it was the best thing I ever did because I had a gigantic breakthrough in the room. Um, I think this is an important point that when I went to the conference in Philadelphia, Philadelphia is, you know, I think it's like a 60 or 70% um, of the people in Philadelphia are Black. I go to this conference and they're, I'm not kidding, it might have been 20. So when I'm doing this, when I'm having this coaching session in front of people, because that was the ask to get the free coaching, to do coaching in front of these people, it was a whole room of white women. Like, I don't know, maybe 100 white women. And I knew that would probably be the case. I didn't know that I was going to have a breakthrough in front of them. And I was like, I'm going to die in here because you can't stop the uh, breakthrough when it's coming. It's like you, I couldn't unsee it, but I also didn't want to have that emotion in front of other people. It, you know, it didn't feel as safe as I would have liked it to feel. So when I go back out into the conference, just trying to like get my bearings is when I start to notice that there are no other Black people here. Like, really? I mean, there might have been 20. This, and this event's like four days long. It's not even like it's a day. And so I was, it came to me, what's happening? Like, do Black people not know about it? Do they not feel safe? Like, what would be the reason that nobody's here, teachers, anybody? And from that moment on, when I got to finish with the conference, I decided to make it my mission to bring ADHD coaching to Black people because it changed my life in that instant, in that day. It it has changed my life for the better and all of that different, you know, my life, the thing is my life is not that bad. Right. But there was pain in it. I always say it's like the hamster wheel from hell doing all this stuff, taking care of a kid working. I had two jobs. I still worked in the salon. I worked at that salon for 25 years. Even when I was being a psychotherapist, I have a mom who's in her eighties. Uh, I have a relationship. I've got lots of kids. I've got civic duties. You know, I have all different types of stuff like most women do you know, house to clean, birthdays to remember, all kinds of stuff. And if I stopped doing that, getting off that hamster wheel, like everything would fall apart. But if I continued on like that, I was going to die. So which one was it going to be? And I didn't even know that there was another option until I found ADHD coaching. And that's the reason why I do this. And that's the reason why I'm here. Because uh, I know that it helps. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. 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 Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad that you really took us on that journey because, you know, I love the story of how you ended up at that conference. I love the story, how you shared, how I remember you telling me it's like you couldn't even make it to the conference at one point in time because you were just having a moment and you begin to get your husband's help to get you physically to the conference. As I begin to prepare for the show, I started reading these books. And one of the books I read was ADHD 2.0. And it begins to talk about some of the challenges. So I was kind of new to the topic and I'm, you know, I'm curious about, you know, my son, I'm kind of seeing all of these nuances and I would love to hear your thoughts about some of the challenges and the strengths. And I'm just going to share with some of the challenges and strengths. And then I'm going to just let you share whatever you feel, you know, inspired too. And, 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 and no hurry, no rush. We're going to take our time tonight. But I was really surprised, if not pleased, when I saw some of the challenges but really, really pleased when I saw some of the strengths. So here are some of the challenges of ADHD, and I'm calling this 
what is ADHD? Challenges in the chat. People talked about time blindness, problems with tasks, struggles with priorities, out of sight, out of mind, impulsiveness, disorganization, and feelings of being overwhelmed. But it's not all bad. There are some strengths, or as I would call them, superpowers that sometimes come with ADHD, such as the ability to have hyper-focus, be energetic, spontaneous, resilient, compassionate, and empathetic. Reading somewhere, they were like, a large percentage a large percentage of entrepreneurs may be ADHD. But people with ADHD may also find themselves being passionate, purpose-driven, creative, and having a good sense of humor and fairness. Shay, what do you think about those nuances, those strengths, those challenges? Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> so, yes, it is true. There are different uh, things that happen with ADHD that can drive you crazy. So some of the symptoms are disorganization, prioritization, um, because it's an executive functioning skill. So your executive function is like the manager of your brain. So that big front frontal lobe part of your brain is, is telling you, oh, well, maybe if we got everything together at night, we could be there on time. And you're talking about the story of my husband having to take me uh, down to the conference is because I knew I had this conference. I worked with this coach for several weeks. I want to be able to be there to help out. I look up, I've looked at the train schedule 55 times. I've written down all the different times it should leave, what time I should leave. I have taken out all of my clothes. I still can't get to this train on time and it's the last one. I had to basically cry to husband. I was like, I don't even know. He didn't even know what I was going to do. He just knew I was going somewhere. He was like, just go get me some coffee <laughs> in order for me to deal with me in the state that I was in. Um, and he took me down to the conference. And what I come to know now is for me to be able to get out of the house, I don't know all the steps that I'm taking, right? So that takes organization, prior planning. Um, it takes your ability to prioritize at what time. For me, time is really just a construct, especially since the uh, pandemic. You know, I really don't really, I had to come to grips with, I don't know what time it is. What I can do is read the clock that I have to have all over the house to be able to get anywhere on time. And sometimes I'll just even ask people I know that would know, what time do you think I should go? Because if it's left up to me, we might not make it. So with that executive functioning, that part of your brain, that's why sometimes it's some things go easy. And sometimes it's like, what is happening? Or why is it that I know I need to, you know, do something, ADHD? Uh, why can't I do the things I know I need to do? Because if it's an executive functioning task or you don't know where you're supposed to start with something because it's not clear or you have too many things on your plate, so you're overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, those are some of the things that happen. And those are the that's the reason why that's your ADHD. Then the flip side is that. Your ADHD allows you to have big vision, right? We don't want to walk in a linear line. We don't think in a linear path. That's why it's hard for me to get out of the house. The steps are hard for me to see. But the big picture is amazing, right? We can always usually see the end of the goal. We see big things. Um, I would say any 
any country where they've like expanded the size of some of the things that happen with that go who's going to say let's let's see what's on the other side of these woods and nobody knows it's going to be somebody with ADHD because we have that spirit that pioneer spirit we can see things that other people can't see usually the end of goals and that is I guess when they're calling it a superpower I just like to say that's just who we are right because you know there's good parts and bad parts you know the empathy part um being able to connect and empathize and have a sense of fairness. Like I would say a lot of the people who are standing up for like human rights probably have ADHD because that's the type of thing that, that we would do. Um, being able to, I know a lot of people, they say that highly sensitive people have ADHD. That's part of the empathy part. And some of that is, you know, a fact of how your brain works. But some of that too is, Kids with ADHD get, I think they say it's like 20,000 more negative messages by age 12 than other children. So you're going to be empathetic with somebody. If somebody who late, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's okay, right? Because how, how many times somebody has said to you, you were late? Or how many times somebody say, oh, you didn't turn that report in on time? Or how many times somebody is like, I understand, like, look at your desk and it's so unorganized. How many times have people been criticized? To really help you to be empathetic, uh, you know, when you're approached. So those are some of the things that are really great with ADHD. Like I would never trade trade mine in. I'm also an entrepreneur. Um, also because, again, I still have that. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. <laughs> that's just that's not gone. So you know, it worked better for me to be able to work at my own pace at my own time and figure those things out. What I have to add in is how am I going to make sure I get up out of bed and start working on, you know, at some point, right? I don't have to do it as other people might. You got to be up, work at nine and at five, things like that. It's that to make sure that you are up, you are doing the tasks that you need to do and turning them in or taking care of them in a timely fashion. So working with your strengths to be able to do that. You can do that. Being an entrepreneur is beautiful. Uh, with ADHD. But I have like lots of clients that are in corporate, right? Doing doing some phenomenal, phenomenal things. So you can be really successful too with ADHD. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. You know, as I was reading the book, ADHD, ADHD 2.0, and I shared some books in the chat. And one of them is that, is they gave this illustration and I like it. They say the ADHD brain can be like a race car with the ability to go fast with a whole lot of horsepower. They said, however, the ADHD brain doesn't really have really good brakes at time. So imagine this, you're a sports car and you're going 300, 280 miles per hour, but then it's time to stop or to pivot or to change. I chatted with some friends. They're like, yeah, 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 that definitely describes my brain. And I love that illustration where you talked about, you know, the kids and the amount of messages they get when they're young. Tell me this. How about black girls and black women? I asked you this question before, but I really ask it because I know the audience. I said, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to have somebody in the audience who's going to be thinking, hey, why can't we just do ADHD like the white people? Right. Why we got to put this black on it? Right. Why we got to do black HD? Why we got to do black ADHD? In girls. And I love your response to this. Please share with us why 
it's so important that we spend time in this space called not only ADHD, but ADHD, black girls and women. Somebody said, because we black, right? <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm here for it. It's really interesting because, you know, I do this for a living and doing this for a living, going out speaking and advocating. I get this question quite often. Why, you know, why? There's a difference. Why would it be different? Why is all of our lives different, right? Or I love it. It's like, oh, it's no different with black and white people. I thought I might have lost a job for being late. And it's like, oh, really? But did they really expect you to be late? Right? Because they already expected me to be late. <laughs> They're already waiting and ready for me to be late. Our black experience is totally different than the experience I think that, you know, anyone else. And when you're a black woman, so there's already racism, right? That weird thing where they expect you to be able to do everything. At the same time, they don't expect you to be able to do not do anything. Like they lay all the burdens at black women's feet. It's the thing that has happened since the beginning of time. Why is it going to end now, especially with ADHD? Then, you know, you have misogyny being a woman where, you know, I have a client where none of the, uh, none of the men in the, her company were asked to do like their own timesheets. But the women, and she, these are executives, were asked to do it. And it's like, because it was assumed that what it, uh, those women's work. So you have those two things, and then you have ADHD, which the thing is being a black and a woman, you can see having ADHD is, it's invisible until it's visible, right? You can't tell ahead of time. But when you come to my desk and it's disorganized, then it's like, oh, that person, they're either you're dirty, right? Or you can't take on any more tasks or anything because you're very disorganized. You know, you come into a meeting and you say something, you know, maybe it's like a little out of pocket or you don't understand or you ask a question. You're already like the angry black woman, even if you have the same tone that anyone else has, even you have sometimes even a lower tone. And, you know, because you're asking a question, maybe because of ADHD, like I know I couldn't keep up with meetings. I would have to record a meeting. Or I would have to ask questions. Or I have to take notes. You take notes in a meeting. Sometimes that's frowned upon. Are you kidding? I need to actually doodle in a meeting if I'm not taking notes. Because that's how I would be able to listen. People don't understand that those different parts of your brain are working, you know, together in order for you to be able to listen. That's like an ADHD hack. That's an ADHD hack doodling. But how many of us tell, like, if you're doodling, you're not paying attention. And then if you're black, it's like, oh, well, we know you couldn't do it anyway. So being a black woman with ADHD is, I think, particularly hard because it's not seen and you're still expected to, like I said, take care of your kids, take care of your house. You know, even other black people, it's like, oh, you in her house? Is that house, you know, she's got some piles of stuff. Because out of sight, out of mind, you said, we have piles of stuff a lot of times because if you put it away, I'll never see it again. Like. I will, I'll buy, or I'll have 12 of them because I'll buy it another 11 times. So, you know, the, sometimes the judgment from our own people is a thing and trying to keep up with everything that we feel like we're expected to do. Cause so we're expected to take care of our house, our kids, you know, belong to whatever group, go to church or whatever it is, whatever, you know, the outside things are, excuse me, take care of your parents. You know, so many people don't want to put their, you know, send their parents like to a facility or something because it's like, no, we don't do those things. All these things start to add up. 
And with ADHD, they can be like, I won't say too difficult to handle, but feel like, you know, you're handling them, but it's drowning and killing you having to do all those things, you know, making sure you're organized and you have all the papers, you know, you signed up for everything, you know, your kid comes home and needs something from school and it's like, oh my God, they, they sent all those papers and I forgot to send something. <laughs> and then you're running behind and you probably have a kid with ADHD because it's highly heritable. Um, it is, it's overwhelming and it becomes a lot and it becomes a lot of burnout. And we're told it's like women, we're supposed to just continue to do it. You're a superwoman. So it's to be great. It's like, no, we're not a superwoman. Take a nap. Yeah, right. Take a nap. <laughs> Take a nap. Ask for help. Uh, pick what you want to do. Don't do other people's stuff. That's a whole other thing. People bring us their things to do and expect us to do it. And we just take it on sometimes. I say we take on we take on these things like potato chips, right? It's just like, oh yeah, of course, of course. It's just something small, something small. And because we've been told that, we actually think it tastes good because that's what you're supposed to be doing. At the end of the day, it's really killing you. So I always tell people to stop, stop, and don't do that. Don't want to go on too long, Captain. Wow. You know, I do have ADHD. I will talk all night. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. And and, and and I'm good at jumping in there. So thank you for understanding. Thanks for sharing. I can tell by the comments in the chat that you definitely have received various amens and various, you know, I feel seen. I remember one of the responses you had told me when I was talking about the different types of therapists out there. And you were telling me that it's important to just be, get a therapist, right? Get somebody to help you. But if you can find somebody who can relate to your experience, you know, as a as a person of color, as a black woman, then definitely get that person because, you know, one of the roles of a therapist is to see or the person, the patient feels to be seen. And I know you've helped some people feel seen tonight. I want to pivot for a second and talk about the girls. I want to talk about what we can do to begin to look at our children and prepare our children for some of these nuances around us and more specifically girls. And I came across this topic of awareness and presence, but I don't want to necessarily go there. I want you to feel led and go in the directions you need. But my question is this, how do we help our daughters increase their awareness and presence of the world around them? More specifically, you know, what can we do to support black women and girls when it comes to increasing the awareness of what's going on in this ADHD world and what's with ADHD, what can we do to support the young girls? So it's really interesting because um, I was just seeing somebody else was like in their fifties. And again, when I was young, like there was not like, it wasn't even a thing. That's all I say. It's like, it's not a thing. And now it's, you know, especially like with the advent of the internet. And since we've had the pandemic, People's natural supports ended. And when their natural supports ended, like going out to going to work and it, you know, kind of had to do what they told you to do in a certain amount of time, um, you some people were able to cope better. At when that ended, a lot of people were like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And the uh, ADHD diagnosis like jumped, you know, increased. I can't remember how much. And so even though TikTok is my, I have a love hate with it because it, there's a lot of misinformation, but it has brought to the forefront that there is 
uh, you know, there are things about ADHD and being able to be aware of what they are. So knowing what are the symptoms to look for that aren't just the ones that you would see in a book, because there's not a lot of research for Black women, Black people in general with ADHD, right? Because why would they, you know, do any research for us? And we're not real down for research. Um, so for girls, it's like, so knowing the symptoms, knowing what it is like to have an inattentive girl with ADHD, that if they say she's really chatty, it's like, oh, she's really smart. But if she stopped talking, like she, she would probably get more work done. Um, sometimes when you see that kids are like working really hard to be able to, um, you know, get some things done. You know, if you notice that your kid just feels a little off, it's sometimes a little difficult because, again, some of the parents have ADHD and you're trying to run around and do a lot of things for multiple people. Informing the schools every year, I used to go in and basically give a primer on ADHD to my son's teachers. And I was always like, I have one kid and I have not, you know, done this. And then I'd say, how many years have you been educated? An educator? They'd say five, 10, 15, 20 years. And I'm like, and you don't know this about ADHD? And they would look at me and I wouldn't care. It's like, you need to know this to help my kid. And hopefully you'll be able to use some of it to help other children. So making sure that they know the, the signs and symptoms of what ADHD is. And for yourself, not to be afraid to let your kid get diagnosed. A lot of us are afraid, like they're going to give them a label or give them a label. They're going to label your kid anyway. Allow your child to get the help that they need. So many women come to me and they're pretty pissed at their parents because they're like, they knew and they didn't do anything. They knew and they, I suffered because they didn't do anything. And I'm like, your parents were trying to do the best for you. Nobody's like was doing that like on purpose, what they actually thought that you would be labeled and that would be worse for you. But that's hard to sometimes explain to people. So it's like, let them get diagnosed. It does not mean your kid has to have medication. Because I think that that's the thing. They think, oh, now they're going to label you. Oh, they're going to try to drug you up. ADHD meds have been around since the 30s. You know, I think they're fairly safe. But again, it is totally up to you what you want to do about that. The first thing they're going to talk to you about is parent education. You know, the way you parent an ADHD child is not the same way that you would parent uh, another child, right? Because you might have one with, one without. Yes, you have to do it in a different way. Um, and it's, it's kind of a lot to explain what that is, but there's an organization called CHADD, C-H-A-D-D dot org that specializes in uh, children with ADHD. And they have a, a little, and it's, it's not expensive. It's really, I don't know, $20 or whatever, called Parent to Parent. And that is, it's a way to learn like about um, parenting your child with ADHD. So that's, those are like ways for you to be able to like see it, accept it. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your kid either. Like, I, I really think it shouldn't be in a DSM because it really is just, you know, it is your brain, the way it's wired. And the fact that it's wired that way, when you can lean into the way that it's wired, right? When you can lean into the way that things come, you know, more easily for you as opposed to the things that maybe you were taught. I, I was having a conversation with a client today where it was like, what these norms where they're like, you know, if you don't make up your bed, like 
you know, you don't respect yourself. Or if you do that, you're going to have a better day. I never make up my bed. I don't see the reason why you would have to. I'm just going to get in it. Right. So for me, that would make me feel bad that I wouldn't do that or want to do it. Um, and then maybe feel like, oh, then I, maybe I don't respect myself. Right. Which then will make me feel bad, which will not help me to do any of the other things I'm supposed to be doing. Because clearly I don't respect myself. Well, that's not true. Making my bed is just, if you like your bed, mate, make your bed. <laughs> it's not going to hurt anybody, kill anybody, nobody knows. It's leaning into the things that work for you. What works for me is to not worry about that and to worry about like getting to my clients on time. So I make sure I, I book a client every morning. I don't like to start before 10. My brain's not awake and that's okay. But I book a 10 o'clock client. So I, I'm up, dressed, ready to go. And I can put my focus on that and get my day going as opposed to worrying about if my bed is made. So those are some of the things. And if you can't, if you don't know that, I shouldn't say if you can't, if you don't know that, you're going to just try to parent the way that you you were probably parented or the way that you think that you should parent. So learning about it is our best, you know, that's the best defense. Like that's our offense, right? To be able to learn about it. So you can do it the way we're going to do it. Because the thing is, we're going to do it the way, we go, the way that we're going to do it anyway. And when we learn about it, we, we're going to do it better. Yes. You know, thanks for sharing that. You know, as you were speaking, I shared in the chat some resources, including the chat resource for Parent the Parent. And I remember when we were talking, I was kind of going through this concept I had in my head. And my conclusion was the worst thing we can do in the community is to ignore it. And I began to see the struggle in the community, such as the traditional parents. And I saw somebody put in the chat, they're like, yeah, all of those whippings ain't going to help the ADHD brain, right? And then there's the contemporary, the gentle parenting, right? Which, you know, the, the jury's still out on that one, right? Because what I discovered, you just move the stress from one place to another place, right? And, and, and I don't know what the results are, but I like the way you describe it. We're going to parent how we're going to parent, but you're missing the point. You're missing the help of the child and giving them their best life, their better life. And I know you shared with me that one of the great resources for parent education is CHAD. Um, and what does CHAD stand for again, if you don't mind? Children and adults, children and adults with ADHD, I do believe, but it's chadd.org. Okay. Somebody put in the chat to Attitude Magazine, and that is a great, another great resource um, that has a lot of different articles. And we are now like, um, I, I'm, I've started an association for ADHD Black professionals so that if you want uh, a professional that works with ADHD that looks like you, you can come there and be able to find people to be able to help, you know, in different ways. And so we're just getting started with that. But, you know, hey, where's that again? I'm sorry, to, I missed that. Oh, it's it's eight. I got I, You know, I don't think I ever sent you that. I don't know how I can ask you. Here's ADHD. It is. It is. If you go to my site, ingershay.com, you can connect to the group. Um, and it's ADHD Black Professionals Alliance. Um, and I don't think I didn't send you that. So it's ADHD. Oh. Well, actually, I'm going to put in the chat now the contact information. So I sent them your Facebook group, right? So the Facebook, mm -hmm. um, Black Women with ADHD Executives and Entrepreneurs. Also, mm -hmm. your website 
and your contact information, how they can contact you via email and on Instagram because you're pretty active on Instagram. You're still thinking about your TikTok game. I already know, but I know that TikTok calling you. That's going to get you. But tell us about misinformation because I think that's one of the things I think a topic you're passionate about. Tell us about your thoughts about the, I'm calling it the miseducation or misinformation of ADHD. What are some things we should be careful and, and look out for? That, that's a beautiful question, and I, I appreciate it. Not many people ask me that question. Um, and that's my, that is the reason why I'm not on TikTok, right? <laughs> because actually, there's a lot of misinformation there. So again, but starting with that, they're going to, you know, put you on drugs. The miss first, let's start with that it's not real. It is not real. There's that. It's not real. You're just lazy. If you just, if you just, if you just woke up earlier, then you would be on time, right? You know, so that misinformation is a real brain brace condition. So let's be clear about that. Um, you are not lazy because people I know with ADHD work harder than anybody I know. Um, there's different misinformation about what the medications do why they would do it. There's, you know, some people out there that are saying they are just drugging our, our kids, especially our boys. They just want to contain you. Um, you know, that stuff makes me crazy and that it's it's not a real thing. I mean, actually, a lot, of, we have um, a lack of diagnosis. Sometimes it's like funny, there's some overdiagnosis and then there's some lack of diagnosis because there's not as much understanding as how it manifests in different people. Um, so there's also, I'm trying to think what are some other things, because I just always try, when I hear it, 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 it makes me bristle. Um, I think there is still that they think that you can outgrow it. That's not something that you would have as an adult. That is obviously not true. Um, that I'm trying to think of some other ones, because I, you know, what? it's funny, because I actually, I'm not on TikTok, and that's like part of the reason why, because then people, what it is, is clients come to me and they say stuff, and I'm like, well, who told you that? And then like, I'm like, that's not real. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So what we're going to do is have a conversation. And what we're going to do is just kind of talk with the community. And let me spotlight you guys on here. So Trinica, let me know. I don't see your camera yet, but whenever you get it, let me know. And we're going to add Nakota and team too. Uh, Nakota, let's see here. Let me know. There she is, Trinica. So for the rest of the audience here, what we did, we just sent uh our paid members over to a small breakout with the speakers. They got to count down 20 minutes and what they're going to do is come back. But what we do is we got some questions for you, audience participation time, right? And what I would like to know, and some of you guys already answered this question, but I would like you guys to stay active in the chat and share with us this. And Tradika, do you want to do the first question for the audience? Certainly, Calvin. So feel free, to, feel, feel free to introduce yourself. And also, Samaria, if you don't mind introducing yourself, that'd be great too. Hello, everyone. I am Dr. Trinika Turner-Went, um, and I'm so excited to be here um, talking with you on this topic that's obviously very important and near and dear to a lot of our audience members' hearts. Um, I'll give it over to Samaria right now to introduce herself, and then we'll come back for the questions. Hey, how you doing? My name is Samaria King. I am a local yogi in Durham, North Carolina. and. Uh, I've been uh, um, good friends with Calvin for quite a while, and I want to come on here and talk about my experiences as a yogi and my uh, experiences also with ADHD and how I've, you know, overcome some of my challenges with it. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So let's go ahead with the first question for the audience. And we're going to read the chat. And if you don't mind, Samaria, we'll give you a chance to share more about what you do a little later. But if you guys don't mind helping me fill some of these statements. And I see we got a hand up for, uh, um, let's see, Miss Fakila. Fakila, um, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and unmute you for a second. Fakila, you got a question, you got a statement or you want to share, but this really is open discussion and shared of resources. But um, while we're getting her ready, um, Trinika, what's the first question we have for the audience? Our first question is, what are some resources you use to better manage the ADHD of you or your child? We want to see what tools you're using. Um, we've, we've gotten some really good resources. Um, and Kava has put some of those in the chat, but we want to see in real time. Oh, it's going ADHD, fast. Numo, I know. Google Calendar, Post-its, alarms. Yes, practical, right? What's right there in your, in your reach. Um, timers yeah. and reminders. See, Someone said the Calm app for sleep. Keep going, sorry. Oh, now we're <laughs> we're on a speed chat. Um, oh, Nakota said the the Calm app is everything. Um, and um, is it possible to unmute Nakota and just hear from yeah, her Nicoda, about the Calm app? Yeah, if, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot, I'm so sorry, Nakota. Yeah. anyone who used the the Calm app, Nakota, um, what are your thoughts about the hand. Calm app? Um, I've been using the Calm app now for maybe. Uh, a year and a half, maybe since 2020, I believe. And at first, you know, it's a pay app, but you have access to a lot of different forms of meditation. And each one of those forms helps you learn the process of meditation, uh, as well as uh, some really good coaching, so to speak, uh, and just words to think of that helps you you know, understand the journey that you're going on. They have a seven day, learn how to meditate, a 30 day, and then a whole bunch of different types of meditation um, because there isn't, you know, just one particular recipe, but uh, just being able to explore it helps to calm and center me. And uh, it is very helpful. I'm, I probably do it maybe twice a day now. <laughs> Wow. Awesome. Thank you, Nakota. We got um thank you. And her hand up. Fakila, did you have a question? Or yeah, just real quick. I'm I'm struggling to keep up with the resources and I was hoping that is there any way it can all be combined and emailed to us? Yes, exactly. You beat me to it. Thank you guys for putting it in the chat. Whatever you put in the chat, I'm going to combine and clean up as a list. And what I will be doing is summarizing that and sharing it. So we're having a collaborative moment at this moment, and it will be shared. So thank you, Fakila, for keeping us um, honest there. So continue to share your resources that you have in the chat while we go to the next question. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, before you move on, I saw someone say grounding, and I thought of the five, four, three, two, one technique that I use with clients. And I saw someone else say deep breathing. And I thought, oh, what a moment. Can we take a moment to deep breathe? Like, is anybody opposed to that? If you just, if you're sitting in a chair, just sit up tall, feet flat on the ground and just take a nice big deep breath, just inhale in. I mean, literally do this with me. Inhale in. Hold it. And exhale. One more time, we're going to inhale wholeness. Just inhale. 
Inhale, wholeness. And exhale, the pieces, right? And one last time, we're gonna inhale self-love. Just inhale all that love for yourself. And exhale any resistance that you may have to self-love. All right, I love deep breathing, y'all. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love before we go to the next question. So Mario, do you, I, I'm sorry if I keep, um, you know, I, I gave everybody a new name. I gotta, excuse me. I'm from Texas. You know, I, the way words just slide out of my mouth, you know, but anyway, cousin, I'm just gonna say cousin. Mario. <laughs> tell us about what you do. First of all, what's a yogi and tell us about what you do and why this is so important because, you know, I didn't, I remember when you got started, man, I was like following you. I'm like, man, I didn't even know you were doing the thing. Tell us about what you do and why you feel it's so important to centering. So I, I, I teach yoga. I teach two different types of yoga. I teach uh, vinyasa power flow, which is a much more athletic form of yoga. than I think most people uh, think of when they think of yoga, it's, it's almost like a cross. It's, it's almost like a mix between CrossFit and yoga and then I teach, which is more yang. It's, it's called yang in the yoga world. And then I teach comedic yoga, which is a lot slower. And it is based on the uh, a lot of the hieroglyphs. It's on the temples in Egypt. Uh, I went to Egypt in 2019. And one of the first things that I noticed is there were yoga poses, like all over the walls. And, um, you know, it, of course, made me curious because at that point I was already trained in vinyasa power flow. And the, the, the overwhelming uh, view of yoga is that it's, it is Indian. And I'm not taking anything away from, from the Indian roots of that form of yoga. But yoga was practiced uh, for a, probably by all different cultures all around the world. But one of the first cultures to practice it were the Egyptians. The ancient Egyptians were called Kemetics. And so uh, I came home and I learned a form of Kemetic yoga. It's called Tefsima Pout Netaru, which translates to moving in unity with the company of gods and goddesses. And those aspects of nature, those hieroglyphics, they're called Netarus because they're aspects of nature. So when you do Kemetic yoga, you are identifying with an aspect of nature. And so you you pull on that that level of calm. So you're the sky or the water or you're, you know, a, a, a crocodile or a lion and, and you bring on those aspects of nature. And, and what it what it literally means is moving in unity with the company of gods and goddesses. You are creating something in your life. So it is like a moving creation manifestation ritual. And so wow. it, it's a lot slower. It's a lot more meditative. It is a lot more uh, vocal. Uh, but both forms of yoga, they both involve uh, connecting breath and movement. Um, breath is is the, the the central part to all of the practices because breath is the essence of of life. You know, it is definitely um, inhaling and expansion, expanding your belly, and exhaling and bringing your belly in is the basis of movement. So when you inhale, you're supposed to expand your body. When you exhale, you contract and then you put movement on top of that. And that will uh, not just regulate your movement. It does a lot to regulate your mind and your emotions. And for me, when I first got started in yoga, uh, um, I was actually introduced to yoga by one of my friends. She uh, she invited me to her yoga class pretty regularly. And I resisted at first because I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm black. I don't do yoga. I, I thought yoga was something for white women. And then she started to post her pictures on social media of her classes. 
And it was, you know, 20, 30 black people, some that I knew. So I started going, I realized it was a great workout. It was great community. Um, It was a great way to get in shape. And so I started doing it literally for the social and physical reasons. The, 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 The mental aspects of it didn't come along later. And I feel like that's almost part of the progression where you get into it for, you know, for the community, for the workout, for the sweat of it all. And then you start to see, oh, wow, you know, for the hour that I'm on my mat, I'm not worried about my job. I'm not worried about the projects that I have to do. I'm not worried about my, my family. And it puts you in the mind frame that you can meditate. And uh, I read a comment in the, in the chat that said yoga and, and meditating was hard for someone. And that's true, because a lot of times the way we're programmed, especially as Americans, we receive all our input from our five senses. And so we're always bombarded with sound and, 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 and images and, and sensations. And so a lot of times it's hard to just say, OK, break and I'm going to sit here and just breathe. So yoga is, is a great way of, of kind of slowly turning all those things off. When you just get into the aspect of just breathing and moving, just inhales and exhales and up dogs and down dogs, then you kind of block everything out because you're really focused on doing these movements, Uh, especially if you have some music going and music can kind of almost provide like an extra distraction to to keep you, you know, on track. You know, what what I want you to do is tell us more about the music thing, but I want you to hold that for a second because, you know, we got seven and a half minutes countdown before our other group comes back. But hold that thought on the music, because one thing I love is that when you do yoga, you don't just do it in a traditional way. You make it our own. And I love it. Right. You know, we don't do anything nice, you know, proud, Barry. But I want to hear more about that. Janika, go to the next question for the audience, if you don't mind. So, Calvin, I'm going to skip forward a little bit in the questions because I know this audience and I want to hear their responses to what are some of your ADHD superpowers that you have discovered? Oh, I like that question. My ADHD superpowers or the audience? No, that's for the audience. We'll start with you. Get us started, Samario. Tell us what one of your uh, superpowers is. My hours are research, to be completely honest. When I get a, a random thought in my in my <laughs> head, I'm like, how many college basketball teams have gone undefeated for a whole season? Let me look and see. And so next thing you know, I'm on Google. I'm like, who? What year? What year did they do it? Yes. Who did they play? Who's their coach? Who was on the team? Who went to the NBA from that team? And so, like, I, I just, I, I literally dive down a rabbit hole of, mm-hmm. of Googleness. Awesome. Oh, I love it. Look Some of our here. audience members can relate. They're saying yes to that research. So let me uh, read some of the answers coming back. Multitasking, see patterns. I love planning events. Uh, I'm a logistics master. Multitasking is both a superpower, but a huge crack and fall that I can fall through. I literally typed the chat. ADD is superpowers. I'm a good at switching tasks. Um, compliance. Hmm, I wonder if that's like formal compliance. Research. Marilyn says she agreed with research, problem solving and hyper focus, planning again, synthesizing ideas. I love that. Y'all know what synthesis is? Mm-hmm. Synthesis is more than pick a one A, B, C, D. Synthesis say fill in the blank. You know what I mean? I'm going to give you some ingredients. Can you synthesize that ingredients and make bread? I love synthesis. So good shout out to Elizabeth. Synthesizing ideas into the big picture solution and vision. 
Um, Melissa says, I see the big picture easily. Shrink it down, micro, macro thinking. Well, she says, oh, I, I, you know, I love this because like it's a whole vibe, right, of people who in some other places may not be seen, but they definitely tonight. I'm going to unmute Kayla. Kay, Kaya, because she has a question statement. Um, Trinika, you want to keep reading some of those? Uh, yes. Yeah, someone said visionary. Someone said humor. <laughs> someone said definitely visionary. I love PowerPoint it. Visionary. presentation over here is winning. Kaya, go ahead. You had a, a statement or question? Um, yes, I do. Um, so one of my favorite ADHD superpowers is... Basically, um, finding out just like useless knowledge and just like keeping it in my head. So it's just, it's just really fun to do to like surprise people with like, um, useless bits of knowledge that they would never apply in real life. But it's also really fun to like blow their mind, you know? Yes, indeed. You know, the funny thing is I was warned tonight. They said, you got to understand, y'all, it's going to be an ADHD show and we can all talk. I'm just going to say we for now, because uh, what else you got? Chidika? You got love, research, fun, problem solving, research, thinking of scenarios and con- consequences far ahead than many. Ooh, Dez. Dez be like, man, you know, <laughs> y'all, y'all watch out for Dez. He said, I'm, I'm already in the future. What else you got? What other questions you got for it? Oh, well, we got three minutes dreamer, before. Visionary. Visionary. Political researching, hyper-focus at times, problem solving, strategizing. Tisha, strategizing. Yes, that can take you all, they can take you down the trail. I, I love it. Um, synthesizer and storyteller. Good. Jay. Oh, yes, that was Jay. Um, so <laughs> someone I, I said, hooray to useless knowledge. They said, hooray to who? Useless knowledge, like just going down the rabbit hole. So I got a question, this is a little curveball, but you know, one of the things we're going to be doing is some follow up, right? With such a topic like this, it's so broad, it's so deep, it's hard to accomplish in one session. So we're already planning, you know, some upcoming sessions. So what I would like to hear from the audience is what more experiences would you guys like to see? And I'll give you an example. One of the things we're planning is some Zoom at noon workshops where we will be working with the topics of neurodiversity and medical, medical mental health professional and advocates. So I would like to know what other you know, activities and resources would you guys like to see? Because we're going to be doing more part two, three, four, but that's something you can put in type and continue to type in that. But Trinika, I think another good question, what do you think another good question? You got one time for more, one more questions. What are your, which one you want to pick? So, and this can be heartbreaking, but it, it, sometimes the story needs to be told. What are some of the ADHD misinformation that you've seen out there on social media? Yeah, misinformation, not cool. Jay said he creates excellent presentations. Oh, misinformation, it's only about children. Mm. Laziness is a misinformation. Definitely a myth. Dumb is a misinformation. Lazy. Insensitive, emotionalist. Misinformation, it's a character for all. Misinformation, you need to try harder. Misinformation, it's just excuses. Misinformation, brain damage. Misinformation, unteachable. 
Yes, you know, I, I, I love this and I appreciate it because it allows a group of people to really be seen. One of the things that the speaker is doing, I'm see if she can tell us about it, is we have speaker, two speakers who are doing this. Um, one is he had a terminal illness. And when he discovered it was time to go get blood, there was not enough blood to meet our people's need in the blood bank. So he is building a African-American blood registry. So if anyone ends up in a terminal situation, they can go somewhere to get blood. When Shay comes back in 25, 24 seconds, I want to ask her about her initiative which is to normalize ADHD health for that community with her latest initiative. What is, so while we got counting down a few seconds, Samario, tell us about how you do yoga and why you added music and why some people didn't think music was appropriate. Tell us that story. So uh, a lot of the hardcore yogis um, don't believe in in using music uh to when you when you do yoga and they and they just think oh you know you just do do yoga uh when i first started doing yoga we had an amazing playlist like our playlist was rocking um it was you know contemporary music with a great beat it wasn't too too fast so it's it's not like you would break down and start dancing but it was it was you know it was slow enough that it kind of matched the flow of the room it, will, it, it, it it at least matched the uh, flow of what we were doing. And, and what what we found it did is it almost worked as a distraction. It was like the music is going, I'm familiar with it, so I, I don't feel all that bad about holding this warrior two for all this time. Or I don't feel all that bad about standing in this crescent lunch for all this time because I'm kind of distracted and at the same time I'm kind of focused on what I'm doing. And so it almost speaks to the ADHD in people just because like a lot of times if I just say, oh, let's just do yoga. You think about, oh my God, this is hard. I can't hold this pose. Like am I breathing right? Is my foot right? But if you can just, if you're just giving an instruction, a breathing instruction and a moving instruction and you have music in the background, a lot of times you'll just go into it because the music is playing in the background and the music is almost fuel. It's like distraction and fuel at the same time. It's like a, a, a beautiful mix, you know, that just works. And I feel like it works for melanated people for some reason. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, and I'm going to tell us about your event that's coming up because you have a um, yoga event that's coming up. Will it be virtual? Will it be in person? So there's the Bull City Yoga Festival that is going on actually in Durham. That is uh, April the 29th. And then I have a yoga brunch that is going on the very next day. Um, I should put a link to the Bull City. Actually, I got you. I just put it in the chat. I sent it to Trinika, but I'm going to send it to everyone. And Trinika, I want to get you to get one more question. If you don't mind asking a question about what we can do to normalize ADHD as the other group comes in. They're actually counting down about 30 seconds. Tell us about that. I put it in the chat. Tell us about it. Um, There's the Bull City Yoga Festival as well. Both of those are going on about the same week, the same weekend. But um, I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? No, 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 no. You, you were finished. I dropped it in the chat for you, but we can go ahead and pivot to the next question because I think Katie and team are back. Katie, how, how was your session? Uh oh, we gotta get you unmuted. Did you uh, accidentally? You yeah. 
I'm muted. Well, it mutes you automatically. The session was great. As you know, Shay was fantastic. Um, she answered some great questions, honestly, about um, both as an adult, you know, the importance of di- getting diagnosed. But then she answered some really good questions um, about, you know, finding your support group and, you know, finding your community because the importance of community can't be overstated. And then she also talked a lot about advocating for your child. Awesome. Awesome. And one of our uh, members um, didn't make it to the breakout. So uh, I got your name. So make sure you send that to me. So, um, Shay, while you were gone, we were kind of talking about the concept of and I'm going to put you on the spotlight as we get ready to wrap up because and we're in our last stretch. So, y'all give us 10 minutes. And um, but what I'm really hearing, Shay, is we were talking about the nuance of one of your initiatives. And I was telling the story about the gentleman who had a terminal illness, but when he needed a blood you know, transfusion, he couldn't find his type because there wasn't enough you know, um, people or evidence in the database for people like him. So he's like, do you mean I have to go start my own African blood registry? Yes, he did. We're going to interview him sometime next month. But Shay, in a similar way, I think you have an initiative that you're working on with ADHD and people of color. Do you mind telling us about that? Yes. Yeah, so I was mentioning it um, in the other group. I, I might have mentioned it here, but it's um, ADHD Black Professionals Alliance. And if you go to my website, you can connect to it. Um, and it is because, again, like I said, well, I'm in Philadelphia with so many you know, Black people are in this city. And none of them are here where the professionals are. How are kids going to get help? How are we going to get help if there's nobody around that looks like us? Um, Even in the group, somebody's saying, hey, I'm trying to find some Black people to be able to connect you because the person that they are seeing just, you know, isn't quite cutting it. So, you know, it's like for us, by us. You know, in the beginning, when I saw this, I was like, how do we find coaches? Like, what are you doing about it in these different organizations? And you know, they were kind of giving me the runaround. I was like, wait, why am I asking other people to do for us the thing that we need to do for us? Because we we do for us the way that we need to do it, right? They're not going to do it the way we need to do it. And we need to be the ones to do it. So it's done in a way that works for us that um, isn't just checking a DEI initiative box, right? Um, you know, I'm asked to do that quite often. And it's more of like, what is that we need to be successful this ADHD thing, when you harness it, it's great. But when you don't, it can be debilitating. And because it's really misunderstood, there are a lot of people out there that don't know what they're doing. Like that saying things that aren't true or just not being as helpful as they can be. So bringing together people that, you know, are Black, that are, you know, we already know, you know, when somebody talks about like they got a beaten, you know, even though I am a psychotherapist, you know, I know I don't have to call. I don't have to call that line and be like, oh, they're beating a child, right? Because <laughs> I know that's not what they mean, right? Trust me, when I was doing like social work on the ground, I used to have to explain that to white people all the time. They're not hitting their kid. They're not, you know, they're not trying to hurt them. Beat it is like a thing. So just that type of shorthand or the types of things that happen out in the world, to be able to not even have to have those total conversations, to have that thread that runs through for us, with that and having that thread that runs through with ADHD is so super powerful. That's the reason why I have my group, uh, my Facebook group, and why I'm starting um, a group, like a membership for Black women with ADHD uh, next month. 
so that people can have that power of connection. And then having the ADHD Black Professionals Alliance means that if you want a psychiatrist, a psychologist, you know, an attorney, uh, an advocate, um, uh, occupational therapist, or any number of people that help people with ADHD, if you want somebody that's Black, you will have a place where you can find them. You know, we're, I also started an initiative to have scholarships for people to be Black coaches. We don't have enough Black ADHD coaches. Um, the need is so great. And for people to get some coaching, right? Because coaching can be a bit expensive. And so having some money for people to get coaching and for the coaches to actually get paid a living wage, you know, being also being, you know, I have my master's in social work. So many times you're asked to just, you know, can you just slide your fee, lower your rate? Like, mm. you know, nobody, I don't ask that. Nobody asks that as a doctor. Nobody asks that as a plumber. <laughs> but we're always asked that to take it on. So to pay people what their rate is, uh, but to also have people get service by people who look like them, if that's your goal. So, I you know, we're starting that, that now. I love it. And Fakila says she love it because she won't be a coach. So the last question for the night as we wrap up, um, you know, I just want to begin to say thank you. And Nicole, if you don't mind joining us, you know, um, if you turn on your camera, I'll be able to see you. You know, I just want to say thank you. And yes. as we wrap up to the final question, you know, and the question is for the whole audience. We've been doing audience question at OMG. You guys should see all of the questions and answers that came in. But here's the question for everybody. And if you would, you know, type and we're going to start reading some of the type. But this is the question. What are some things that we can do to normalize ADHD and mental health conversations in our families and our community? I'm going to read that again. What are some things that we can do to normalize? What I mean by normalize, when me and my buddy, we talk about mental health just like we talk about basketball. It's a normal conversation. What are some things we can do to normalize ADHD and mental health conversations in our families and our communities? Let's see what they say in chat. Nakota, Katie, anything they say in the chat that jump out at you? And it's scrolling fast, man. Yeah, education is one of them. Uh, I think maybe just having the discussion, you know, I'm, I'm listening to it today and I'm actually like, I think I'm, I might be ADHD and <laughs> I, I, I am like so encouraged and I really want to ask, uh, what other, are there men out there that are coaches or, um, healthcare professionals? Cause your boy needs one. <laughs> I'm about to turn 50 and I'm today years old learning about this ADHD. And then Samari, uh, listening to you uh, talk about yoga is just mind blowing. Um, and it's something that I'm looking to implement um, in my own journey. And I'd love to talk to both of you all about, you know, possibly having uh, uh, you share your experiences at an event that we do called The Gathering. And oh, uh, yeah, you know, Nakota, I actually told um, about that is about, you know, he's in North Carolina and you guys are going to have your gathering event in next Carolina drop in the chat. And we definitely want to hear more about that. Um, hold tight. Cause I want, um, I'm thinking it'd be great 
for um, him to, you know, teach a yoga session at one of your gatherings if you would have them. So I definitely want to connect you guys, but let's do that a little later. Let's go back to the question. Katie, uh, Trinika, what are you seeing in the chat? What are people seeing? What are some things we can do to normalize ADHD and mental health conversations in our families and communities? Um, Kaya says education and get rid of stigma. Isn't that amazing? Okay. That's an amazing comment. You have summed it up. Uh, someone said, don't give up. Believe in yourself. Um, I see one not minimalizing people's experience. Yes. I think a lot of activities help um, kind of um, not fight against ADHD, but kind of train against Like I've, I've found that reading books actually was was a was a very big thing that that helped my ADHD. Awesome. Let's see here. I read all Carifa the time. said have grace with yourself. Oh, I love that one. Have grace mm-hmm. with yourself. Mm-hmm. See any more statements? Well, let me go ahead and thank our speaker because she's been good. She got her fidget spinner and she's been doing good sitting still this whole time. You know, Shay, I just want to say thank you for being here at Southern Soul and sharing not only your testimony, but your expertise, your calling, your wisdom, your wisdom, and just really giving us an opportunity. Because like Nakota said, why is it that we must get to turning 50? Before, as I like the way you drive it, when people hear these things, their life flashes before their eyes. And they have that OMG moment. They're like, wait a minute. As you said, there's always been this thread that weaves through their experiences. And thank you for sharing that. And I'm looking forward to continuing to support you. And like you said, we've only top, touched the tip of the iceberg on this conversation. We didn't even get into being a parent of a child with ADHD. We didn't get into the topic of how women don't even know that they are diagnosed or potential until they have a child and that their children are likely to have it. Women learn that they have it after their child begins to display it. So we definitely going to have to do a part two. Love to say thank you for being here and I appreciate you and I value you. Any closing statements or remarks before, you know, we begin to wrap up? Well, first, I just want to thank you for this forum and having me here. It is such an important topic, and I was glad to see so many people came out to hear about it. And as you're mentioning, especially like Black mental health, that is my main focus. You know, I live outside of Philadelphia. People are killing each other left and right, Black people, and it's all about suffering. And ADHD can be is a part of the suffering. Right. Well, you don't know what's going on with you or sometimes you've been chastised or you haven't figured out why things are happening for you. Some people turn to different directions that aren't the best for them. And, you know, it is my mission in life to be able to help in this cause. And as you were saying, what to do, it's to break the stigma, to have those conversations, to allow people, men and women, to be able to share their experience without being judged. You know, those are the ways that we're able to handle our ADHD. So, you know, I thank you for that. Like I said, anybody who, you know, if you want to reach out to me, just, you know, send me an email. Um, you can go to my website. And I don't know, this was like a great conversation. Like I said, I love to have like 12 of these. <laughs> we're definitely going to be doing it again. I just put in the chat how the audience can connect with you. I'm going to send a follow-up email and I'm going to chat with the brother Nicola in Samario about 
scenario about wrapping up, you know, the guys in that whole thing. But before um, we transition to the guy conversation, I'm calling it, Katie, Janique, anything you would like to say in closing remarks? Yes, I would just like to say thank you to this audience. They have been amazing, just so highly engaged in sharing with us their resources, their superpowers, which was an amazing conversation, as well as some of the myths that they have heard um, about um, folks with ADHD. So we appreciate you so much. And I just want to affirm you and say you are worthy. Like I want you to have that on your mind tonight when you go to bed. I am worthy. Awesome. Awesome. There's so many people who have been seen tonight. How about you, Katie? Uh, Y'all had fun in the breakout session. We did have fun in the breakout session, but I think what encourages me more than anything else is that seeing this is a room full of people of color, of Black people, and that we are furthering this conversation about something that's so important in our community um, that we haven't been saying out loud. And it's so encouraging to see so many people in the chat and in the breakout room who are realizing that they need to learn more about this because it may be something um, that's really relevant in their lives. And so it's just encouraging to see all of us really taking mental health seriously and really taking um, being advocates for ourselves and for our children also. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for discussion with the audience.